High end over end variety. And Amati from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. All right, Steve, we're back for another episode of the Duck Pod, number 16, Oregon at Stanford this week. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on the Montana game, but Oregon is coming off a 35-3 win over Montana to wrap up non-conference play. Um, Any takeaways from that? Do you think they have momentum after beating up on Nevada and Montana, or is this a whole different ballgame? Well, I think Justin Herbert's got momentum. You know, we've seen the last two games, uh, I think it's 49 to 68 for 626 and 10 touchdowns. I mean, he's, you know, it was Nevada and Montana, but Oregon plays those teams every year. So every quarterback's had a shot at teams like that. And, you know, he'd gone, I think, about eight games without having a 300 yard game. Now he's had them back to back. He's the first quarterback to ever have back-to-back five touchdown games so uh, and doing it at a time when you know still Juwan Johnson isn't playing Micah Pittman's not playing Brendan Schooler's not playing so I think we've seen that that Herbert's kind of in his you know kind of hitting his stride here and now we may see some guys come back to him so I, I mean I don't take a whole lot out of the scores and you know the offense only scored half as much against the FCS as it did against the FBS type deal you can kind of drive yourself crazy trying to compare things like that but but the thing that sticks out to me is just seeing what Herbert's done these last two weeks still with without this full complement of receivers and and knowing they should be back starting this week and then kind of continuing back slowly over the next couple weeks minus Cam McCormick yeah Justin seems comfortable not only in this offense but in his own skin I mean he's great after games granted they've been destroying the opponents and you know there hasn't been a lot of pressure on him lately but he seems like um that you know He's over the Auburn thing. He's disappointed, but he thinks, you know, they can seriously make a run in the Pac-12 based on, you know, the fact that they should have beat Auburn and the, the way they're playing right now. And and when you look at Stanford, I mean, as I wrote at DuckSports.com today uh, in, in Tuesday's edition, he's got to be drooling watching film after back-to-back true freshmen have carved up Stanford. Yeah. This does not look like Stanford football this year. No, it doesn't. Although, you know, I would caution they're going to head back home now, and they've been a little bit different there. I mean, uh, you know, USC, they got to a nice start there, and then suddenly that thing just got out of hand almost in like an Oregon-Nevada way. Once it got out of hand, it was just gone from them. And then, you know, they probably were wondering why they were the one team that's willing to go play at Central Florida. All we ever hear is Central Florida complain nobody comes here, and then Stanford decides to be the guinea pig and goes there and gives up another 45 to them. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen a – a Stanford defense that's given up 45 and back-to-back for a while. I mean, certainly since the Harbaugh-Shaw era where Pac, where Stanford's been kind of a perennial preseason contender in the Pac-12, and, you know, they lose this game to Oregon. They're kind of out of the out of the race, obviously, in North, so they probably look at this as kind of their last stand to stay alive. Let me uh, play something that is the reason why I think Oregon is in good position for this game. No matter what they see on film from Stanford, they are going to play really hard courtesy of ABC slash ESPN. Stanford. 
Stanford 38, Oregon 31 in overtime. This is a game that Oregon was an inch away from leading 31 to 7. Jalen Red's touchdown was overturned. Steve, these guys want this game bad. The seniors have never beaten Stanford, um, and this is a great opportunity to, to rectify that situation. We really haven't. You know, last year was a close, and before that it wasn't really close. And, I mean, last year you still look at I mean, obviously it's the same scenario in terms of it's the first Pac-12 game last year. Oregon last year was 3-0, and but obviously didn't play a team like Auburn. And you wonder what that, you know, if, boy, if Oregon wins that one, if they'd gotten to 4-0, because then they beat Cal and they beat Washington home. I mean, if they'd have won that thing, suddenly Oregon's 6-0, and and you wonder how it changes kind of the trajectory of their season. I mean, they end up after that. Washington win, you know, losing to Washington State and Arizona and kind of settle in the middle of the pack. But I think it's probably still a thought from some of those people, you know, that if they win that Stanford game and they get to 6-0 and in Pac-12, that Washington State game may look a little different the rest of their schedule. They may have been a team that could have won the conference last year. And obviously the way it happened, I mean, it's really eerily similar to me a little bit in terms of Auburn and that, you know, you, you had the Jalen Red play that – you know, doesn't get called back for a touchdown and then Stanford goes the other way, kind of similar to what happened with Oregon. And, you know, again, then there were clock management, game management questions afterwards when Oregon hands the ball to Verdell and he fumbles and it turns into the game-tying score. So um, similar, I, I think, I would have to think if Oregon watches the film last year, Stanford, some of those Auburn bugaboos are going to come back to bother them again then too. And, and like you're right, though, there there is a feel, and I'm sure for guys like the Mew and, and Throckmorton and Herbert, guys who don't want to leave their career saying they never beat Stanford. A really mixed bag for Oregon on the entry front going into this game. Cam McCormick, projected starting tight end, will not play this season due to injury. Kind of a curious injury, an ankle injury. He's been warming up before games. Now all of a sudden he's been rolled out for the entire season. Uh, you know, I talked to Jacob Breland today, and he said he was pretty sh- sh- surprised by that, shocked by yeah. that. Um, but then again, they haven't had Cam for two years, so uh, the adjustment there isn't major. It's just disappointing for him. Uh, Jawan Johnson, every week, Mario Cristobal says, this guy is so close, and he keeps teasing everyone. Uh Sounds like maybe this is the week. I think after he didn't play in Auburn and he was, you know, scheduled to be a big factor in their game plan for that game, I think they probably thought, let's just make sure this thing's 100% before we get him out there. And, and this would be a good week to do that. Although there is a bye week coming up after this game if you want to really get him healthy. So that'll be interesting to see if he performs this weekend. Uh, and then Jake Hansen, center. Um, being evaluated, I, I don't want to speculate too much, but that to me sounds like possible head injury. Um, I'm not sure on that, but uh, again, a guy where they have a, a nice backup plan with Throckmorton able to play center, uh, Brady Aiello able to play right tackle. I mean, they have a laundry list of injuries, but you, that's no excuse, especially against Stanford, with, which has already lost two offensive linemen, and including the best left tackle, arguably, in, in this upcoming draft. Yeah, uh, you tease nicely to something I'm working there. I just posted a story on Juwan, sort of the the mystery of Juwan Johnson. You know, just every week it's sort of he's out there in warm-ups and uh, you're at least on the field and you're kind of looking to see it. And then he keeps, you know, it's almost like for the Oregon fans, they get all excited. They see him out there and then it gets pulled back. Um, Marcus Arroyo was asked today about, you know, how does it change getting Juwan in there? And he said, no, I can't tell you. I mean, basically he hasn't taken a snap for us yet. So, you know, we think we know what he can do. And obviously we spent a lot of spring and summer, he's saying, you know, getting getting ready to, to implement him in the offense. And so there'll be some things that he hasn't been able to do yet there. Herbert's obviously excited to get him out on the 
field. But um, like you say, the, the question is, is it this week? It, it would seem to be, but we've heard that before, and, and it's gone the other way. I also asked Herbert about, you know, the change at center, if having Throckmorton, if there's any difference, you know, by, between who the center is. And he said that him and Throck had worked so much together. He'd like to have Jake out there, you know, particularly just because now you've got Jake and Throckmorton out there. If you've got Throckmorton back at right guard, whereas obviously if Throckmorton's at center, it's because Hanson can't go. So that, that one there, and then, you know, at tight end, you know, we've talked about him. Mean, you, you lose the starter McCormick, but basically we've seen Breland, like you say, who's the starter in the past. Bay's been there. You know, they, they moved Ayala there. We've seen, obviously, uh, you know, Canton or Spencer Webb somewhat there. So uh, that is certainly a position where a lot of teams in this country, you lose your starter there. You'd kind of wonder what you have behind, but that may be the position of the most depth, the position where Oregon could most have afforded to lose its starter for the season. All right, well, let's take our first break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the Pac-12 conference as Oregon gets set for its opener. Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. All right, Steve. Uh, last week in the Pac-12, um, Washington State with a nice win against Houston on Friday night. Um, Oklahoma thrashes UCLA. No surprise there. Utah moves into the top ten after beating a FCS team, whereas Oregon actually dropped a spot after yeah. doing the same. Uh, as we mentioned, Stanford humiliated by a UCF. Arizona State, a nice 10-7 Red Box Bowl redo over Michigan State on the road, no less. Washington takes its frustration out on Hawaii, so no Rose Bowl for the Rainbow Warriors. And BYU stuns USC in overtime. BYU in overtime is a nice mix for them this year as they beat Tennessee the week before. Air Force upsets Colorado. We talked about that being a trap game. Colorado coming off the Nebraska win. And Cal grinds out a 23-17 win over North Texas. Uh, Cal still undefeated in the rankings now, one of six Pac-12 teams ranked. Arizona beats Texas Tech, a nice Pac-12 over Big 12 win. And Oregon State is on the board with a W over Cal Poly, 45-7. Any uh, takeaways from that? slate last week around the conference no mainly just you know Arizona State now is through all three games they've only given up seven points and I'm not you know Sac State was one of them Michigan State certainly not an offensive juggernaut and what Kent State was the other one so um but you know during the Todd Graham games days they lost those you know, they won those games 35-30 not you know 35-7 to or in the case of, of last week like you mentioned 10-7 to with a little help from the Pac-12 refs as it turned out but um I think that's one to where, you know, I look at, you know, Arizona State and Cal in the top 25 and you put them there because they're 3-0 and and that's what pollsters do. But, um, and, you know, the big headline this week was six Pac-12 teams ranked as a Pac-12 back. I have a hard time, you know, even though they'll be playing against each other. It, you know, I, I think Cal moved into the top 25 a couple of years ago and then fell out. And Arizona State last year got in after beating Michigan State and then fell out when they lost the next week. So, um, you know, I'd, I'll give it about two or three weeks of the Pac-12 season before I start thinking that maybe there's six or seven true nationally ranked caliber teams in the conference. My observation is that we always on odd years think of Oregon having a tough 
uh, road to winning the Pac-12 because they play at Seattle. They play at Stanford those odd years, which is the case this year. But really, I think they might catch a break because Cal and Washington State look like they are underrated and that they are legitimate threats in the North, and Oregon gets them at home. And after the Stanford game, assuming Oregon takes care of business, they're a 10-point favorite. They get a bye, as we mentioned, get a heel up, and then they have Cal at home, which is going to be a big game, I think. Cal's at Mississippi this week. That's a winnable game. Uh, I'm very impressed with Cal, not offensively, but overall, they're finding ways to to win every week. And Washington State has found yet another quarterback yeah. who looks really good. Yeah, I'm all in on the Washington State thing. I just, you know, I mean, it's again, there's a team that popped into preseason top 25, and I think some people thought, oh, you know, what's that? Who's the quarterback going to be? But, you know, you, you just learn to trust what they're doing on offense and whoever's coming in there. And once, you know, Gubru didn't get the job, you thought, boy, this other guy, Gordon, must be really good because you thought the grad transfer is definitely going to have it. I mean, it turned out that the competition turned out to, to bring the guest guy, and it was a guy who'd been sitting on the bench for three years. I mean, similar to what, uh, you know, we've seen last year, Gardner Minshew comes in and right away gets it. So um, I, I believe them. I, I believe in Washington State. I think that team, you know, with everything else they have back around, that team is a legitimate contender to be the Pac-12 champs this year. I'd almost put them, if I had a in my own FPI index or something like that, I'd probably have them at a higher spot than Washington, but that may sound obvious right now, but I don't think it would have a couple weeks ago. All alone in first place in the Pac-12 South is the USC Trojans, courtesy of their win over Stanford a couple weeks ago. And yet, it's I, I would be surprised by the time Oregon gets there if Clay Helton is there. That's just how that situation looks to be unfolding. BYU is not a great team. I know USC had a freshman quarterback, but now their schedule really gets hard. So that'll be interesting. That road game for Oregon, which looks difficult on paper, what's that atmosphere going to be like? Yeah, I don't think they you know, but the new what interim AD in there, they probably wait until they get their permanent AD. That's probably what's going to keep Hilton around until the end of the season is they wait to get a, a permanent AD in there to make the coach. So, And Hilton's you know, kind of a, an affable enough guy. He's not going to you know, demand. He probably knows this is kind of a dead man walking situation, but he's going to enjoy his last eight weeks as the head coach at USC. And um, like I say, a guy who certainly nobody in the media has ever complained is uh, you know, not treated people well. And so he's kind of a guy that people will be gracious to, I think, as he goes. Well, again, knowing that there's really not anything at this point that he could do that the new athletic director is going to come in and the, the first thing that guy's going to want to do is make a splashy hire down there. On the other side of town, uh, feels like the L.A. media is tired of Chip Kelly's act, <laughs> not just because they're losing, but because he doesn't enjoy speaking to them or apparently boosters or anyone else. And, and I think if they did their homework, they would have known that during the hiring process. But his resume was so sparkling that he was the number one free agent in the coaching market a couple of years ago in terms of going back to college, but it's been a disaster so far. I know what he did here was off the charts good, but it looks really bad there. What's going to happen with Chip Kelly and why does he refuse to run the offense he ran at Oregon. <laughs> well, he'll tell you, because that was 2012, and some offenses worked really well in the 1930s, too. We don't run those anymore, so there's no reason to run the ones from the 1912s. So, no, it's interesting. I mean, Chip's facing all the questions. I always said, you know, if he ever, st- you know, nobody could ever really question what he did here because year one was a Rose Bowl that the Ducks had been waiting on for, you know, a long time, and he went from Rose Bowl to national title game and then, you know, back to Rose Bowl and Fiesta Bowl. So you could never really question what Chip did. So this is really the first time, at least in college, where Chip's, facing some reporters are kind of questioning what he's doing and he's clearly not enjoying that at all and trying to play 
the long game, you know, the, hey, this is year two and we're trying to kind of get this and that. But then people tell me, you know, in year two, you were going to the national title game in Eugene. So things can turn around a little quicker. Obviously, a different situation you inherited there. But no, it is funny to watch him kind of bristle. I mean, he'd bristle about things when he was here and it would be things were going well and it'd be pretty kind of ticky tack stuff. Now, he's never been asked, you know, why doesn't your offense look like this? Why don't you do this on offense? Because nobody ever questioned what he was doing on offense during his time here. I mentioned the Beavers. Uh, bounced back from that horrible road trip to Hawaii with a win over in uh, Cal Poly. Uh, they're interesting on offense, and they have been all year. They can move the ball. They can score. And now they're on a bye week, and they get to host Stanford after Stanford plays Oregon, and then they play UCLA. Is there any chance that they get things turned around and flirt with bowl eligibility this year? Boy, I see, I see that being a hard time. I do think that um, you know, the week off helps them. I, I, you know, I don't know about beating the Stanford. I, I think they could beat UCLA. I mean, I think it's a team that, you know, last year they beat Colorado in a game, you know, at Colorado you wouldn't have expected. So, I mean, I, I, I think that the Hawaii game was really – bowl eligibility probably any possibility, any route to that probably had to include the win at Hawaii. Yeah, it would be nice for the Civil War if they were on five wins at least. Yeah. And Oregon maybe had a chance to go to the Pac-12 championship in that game. Spice it up a little bit because ever since I moved here – uh, six years ago, which I know is a small sample size for the long history of that, it's it's been a dud, save for the year Oregon lost, which led to <laughs> massive changes at Oregon, and quickly led to, surprisingly led to massive changes uh, halfway through the next season in Corvallis as well. All right, well let's take our last break and then talk about Oregon's defense. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Steve, we're back. As we mentioned, Oregon's on a three-game losing streak to Stanford, and Jim Levitt did some nice things when he was here, but against Stanford, and granted, they had Braxton Burmeister in 2017 because Justin was injured but they were flattened and run over and, and dominated by Stanford's offense that year, the Oregon's last trip to Stanford. And then last year, you know, Oregon's up 24-7. And granted, the offense made some really horrible mistakes, some fumbles that were costly uh, in the red zone and, and Verdell's late one. But the defense was shredded by K.J. Costello again. Do you think Andy Avalos will have some answers for Costello? Because he's an NFL prospect, but it seems like he always plays his best games against Oregon. Yeah, and he hasn't played. You know, he got hurt, obviously, in the first one, then been played in the second one. So it's a small sample size on him right now. He didn't look great last week against Central Florida in the first game back. You know, again, heading home. Now he's got, you know, one full game back. I would expect to see him 
look a little bit closer what we've seen in the past. I mean, this is a guy who's considered an NFL prospect, and um, you know, this might be the game that kind of gets his season going. But certainly, Oregon, as you mentioned, they've seen him before. They, they've got a game plan in there. The thing to me is that you know, I mean, just in the past, it's been you know, whether it's been Bryce Love or McCaffrey or Toby Gerhardt or all the way back, there's always been kind of that running back that Oregon just couldn't you know, whether it was the speed of a guy like Love and McCaffrey or the power of a guy like Gerhardt, it always seemed like there was you know somebody who was too much they could handle in the run game, and Stanford doesn't really have that this year. I mean, Cam Scarlett's been kind of the guy waiting in the wings, but certainly not you know a guy that, that's going to strike fear in a defense. So that's probably the biggest difference to me in any of the past Stanford teams, just not even having that you know the the threat that they had of kind of the Heisman type guy in the backfield. Yeah, and their strategy passing the ball has been you have JJ or say to Whiteside or a, a large tight end. And it's basically just throw a jump ball, and Oregon's smaller DBs have no shot, especially and, in the red Colby zone. Parkinson's back. You know, we saw Parkinson was one who made the big play last year, and he is back. So you're right, whether or not be the running back, there is still a 6'5 tight end or two out there that, that Oregon's going to have to worry about. Overall, though, you have to be impressed with Oregon's defense. I know it was Nevada and Montana, but back-to-back games with no touchdowns allowed, haven't allowed a score since that last second one against Auburn, which obviously they'd love to have that play back, but... Uh, so far, so good. Mario has made a, a really good defensive coordinator hire, it appears. Yeah, it feels like this is a game. I mean, if Oregon gets to 24, 26 points this week, you feel like they're going to win. I mean, I'd have a hard time seeing Oregon give up more than about 21 to Stanford. So I think if you're going in offensively, you're thinking, look, if we can get this thing into the high 20s, get this thing into the 30s, you now got a defense to where you're you're not going to be able to be fighting uphill and giving up 41 to Stanford like they have in, in a couple of years recently. Even last year, and it being, what, 38 in overtime, so 31 in regulation. I'd, I'd be surprised if Stanford's able to reach that mark this year. All right, well, we'll get into our predictions in the Friday podcast. Uh, Until then, make sure you're checking out all the coverage at DougSports.com. And feel free to send us questions for Friday's uh, mailbag, celebrity, no celebrity. We'll we'll answer them. So um, we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in.